This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. After the assault on the US Capitol by Donald Trump supporters last week, Twitter decided to permanently suspend the president's account. It wasn't alone with Facebook, Snapchat, Reddit and even Pinterest making moves to restrict his presence on their platforms. In this episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we'll take a look at why these decisions have been taken, the rise of alternative social media platforms and what it all means in the ongoing freedom of speech debate. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, there's a lot being said about the extraordinary events at the start of January, which saw a rally of Trump supporters in America's capital, Washington, D.C., turn into a mob that stormed the Capitol building. That's the equivalent of our Parliament House in Canberra. Five people died, and it marked the first time the Capitol has been breached since the British attacked in 1812. That was a long time ago. But Claire, central to what went down is Trump himself and his involvement in this event. The overwhelming conclusion from Democrats, from many in his own party and from others, is that he is directly to blame for the violence. They say that his repeated assertions on Twitter and elsewhere that the election was rigged has seen many of his supporters doubt its legitimacy and also given rise to the Stop the Steal protests across the country, which then led to the violence we saw in Washington. Stop the Steal being the catch cry of some protesters. That's in reference to their belief that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Claire, a big player in all of this also are the big tech companies. And that's because the events that unfolded were largely organised via social media. The likes of Facebook and Twitter have long faced calls to curb the spread of misinformation and hate speech on their platforms, as well as to censor or delete Trump's often inflammatory and factually dubious tweets is one way to put it. This is yet another reason many want to see them take further action. And the platforms have maintained a fairly neutral stance when it came to Trump. Trump's online presence, putting the importance of freedom of speech over censorship. You'll remember that's something that Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg came under intense pressure for mm. last year and in the years before that. But that's changed in recent months with a focus on hate speech and violence. Particularly in light of those Black Lives Matter protests, as well as the presidential election campaign last year. To address concerns, Twitter introduced a new feature that added fact-checking labels and policy violation notifications notices to the president's tweets. Not long afterwards, a handful of other tech companies followed suit. Yeah, and you might remember this really all kicked off when Trump tweeted way back in May, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, that was a reference to the Black Lives Matter protests. And Twitter hid that post behind a warning saying that it glorified violence. Then Reddit banned its largest pro-Trump group over hate speech. The streaming video platform Twitch temporarily suspended the president's channel for similar breaches. Standing alone, though, really was Facebook. It's generally been the most lenient out of all the tech giants. But after hundreds of companies then staged an advertising boycott last year over inaction on hate speech, it made moves to crack down on Holocaust denial on its platform. And that was linked also to Trump because there were campaign ads that included a symbol associated with the Nazis. So that was all in the middle of last year. Plenty has gone down since, which has led to further calls for online platforms to do even more. Let's get into that now. 
As I mentioned, Claire, a lot has happened since mid-2020. A lot. But let's fast forward to the violence in the nation's capital last week when Twitter made the decision to temporarily suspend Trump's account for 12 hours initially during the siege at the Capitol. Trump tweeted that he would not be attending Joe Biden's inauguration and that there were 75 million great American patriots who voted for him and they wouldn't be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, Mm. exclamation mark. Twitter then permanently suspended his account. They said that that was due to the risk of further incitement of violence and they said that when you read those tweets in the broader context of the violence, Trump's tweets could be considered to be inciting further violence and that violated those rules. They say his personal account will remain suspended and if he attempts to start another account, he will be kicked off again. It's a significant move on Twitter's part, considering the platform was, of course, Trump's preferred way to reach his nearly 90 million what are now former followers. Notably, it's his personal account that's been suspended, at real Donald Trump. It's not the only account he has access to on Twitter, though. No, the White House still has access to two official US government accounts, and that's at POTUS, which is President of the United States, and at White House. And Trump's attempts to tweet from those accounts were quickly deleted by the moderators of Twitter. Twitter says that it's not suspending those accounts, though, because they'll be handed over to the incoming Biden administration at the end of this month. Yeah, and moving on to other platforms, Claire, Facebook and Instagram have also blocked Trump's account on their platforms, but not permanently. That will stay in place until President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration, possibly longer. They said that allowing Trump to use the platform before then is simply too great of a risk. It's another big move from Facebook that, as we touched on earlier, has been quite hesitant in censoring the president. Yeah, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said that in the end it came down to the violence in Washington. He said that, and this is a quote, the current context is now fundamentally different, Mm. involving use of our platform to incite violent insurrection against a democratically elected government. Of course, this has all sparked many debates about free speech, and we're going to tackle that in the final segment. But before we get there, Facebook is now also banning all related content, particularly the Stop the Steal movement, as part of its efforts to curb misinformation and hate speech. How about the others? Yeah, Snapchat is another platform that's temporarily banned Trump from posting, uh, as well as Twitch, that live streaming service. Others like YouTube and TikTok say that they're removing videos that they consider to be problematic. Reddit's also shut down threads that it say incite violence. And even the online store Shopify has removed two stores linked to Trump and his campaign following the violence. Pinterest, which has been unexpectedly caught up <laughs> in the storm says that it's also cracking down on users who are spreading misinformation on that platform. I thought that was just pretty pictures. Exactly. And just to give this some context, Twitter has 330 million active users. Facebook has 2.7 billion odd. Snapchat has about 200 million active users. So these are huge platforms. This is going to have a big impact. You know what else is big though, Claire? The internet. <laughs> and there are still plenty of ways that Donald Trump can maintain his online presence. Let's take a look at those alternatives now. 
Deleting Donald Trump from big social media apps doesn't mean he goes away. His supporters are motivated and Trump himself says one term in the White House is just the beginning for him. His favourite social media platform is now off the cards. That's Twitter. He'll be looking to find new ways to communicate. And ever the businessman, he says that he'll consider building his own platform. Perhaps we call it Trumper, Trump book. I don't, I'm not sure. Trump chat. Trump don't chat, know. good one. Probably something a bit more creative than that. Anything <laughs> is possible. But what seems more likely is that he will join alternative social media apps. Many I hadn't heard much about until last week. No, me neither. And they're generally platforms that say that they champion free speech. And what that actually means is that they have fewer rules, if any, around content moderation, particularly mm. compared to the Facebooks and Twitter and They also say that they focus on user privacy. It also means that they're already in use by many of those on the fringes of the mainstream who have already been kicked off those widely used platforms. Yeah, two apps we've been talking a lot about in the last week are Parler and Gab. Parler in particular, because it's the largest platform of the two, it has around 12 million active monthly users. It champions free speech, as you say, and seems to be popular to those on the far right of the political spectrum. By all accounts, Claire, it's rife with misinformation, racist content, and has become a place for conspiracy theories about Trump's election defeat to fester. And for that reason, both Google and Apple have recently banned Parler from their app store. They say that it couldn't be supported because of the misinformation and hate speech spread on the app. And then Amazon removed it from its web hosting service. That means that Parler has been forced offline and it's currently racing to find another web host. So Twitter's banned Trump, others have suspended him, and big tech has moved to end alternative channels. Of course, there'll always be more places to go. As we said, the internet is a big place. But what's happened is it's generated a big conversation about what this means for freedom of speech. We'll get into the debate around that question now. Donald Trump, Claire, has essentially been deplatformed. That's actually the technical term. I know we make (laughs) jokes about that, but that is what it's called. That has many weighing up what this means for free speech, particularly in the US, where the Constitution's First Amendment protects that right under law. But it's important to note that the guarantee of freedom of speech as set out in the US Constitution is a little different from the general concept. Mm. So to explain that a little bit more, while free speech is a principle that supports the freedom of someone to voice their opinions without fear of retaliation, censorship, legal sanction. The First Amendment is there to prevent the American government from making laws that infringe on freedom of speech, as well as freedom of religion, freedom of press, freedom of assembly, the right to petition, all those sorts of things. So there are some restrictions to what you can say, but it's not unusual for the Supreme Court to back the right of any person or group from the Ku Klux Klan to authors to artists to voice their opinions, no matter how unpopular or distasteful they may be. Many people maintain that this is an important feature of a democratic society. That's right. But in recent times, there's been a lot of discussion about whether the First Amendment is now actually undermining democracy and Mm. should be revised, particularly in this digital age. And those on that side of the debate say that allowing people like Trump to freely spread misinformation and incite violence is more dangerous than what censorship is. It's a complex issue, especially when you layer all of these things together. You've got the First Amendment, you've got an enduring fundamental belief in the right to free speech, and then you've got these online platforms trying to navigate both sides of that argument and devising policies to manage them. 
it's really tricky and ultimately the tech companies are commercial enterprises so they're well within their rights to ban anyone that they want from their platforms that flout their terms of service. And it's the ability to make that call that plenty are concerned about, particularly given their scale and size and reach. Ultimately, the question is being asked, if they can ban the leader of the free world, who else might they ban? Yeah, and that position isn't a fringe one either. Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel, Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny, plenty of other champions of democracy have expressed their dismay about the moves to remove Trump from mainstream social media. Our very own treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, said this week that he was uncomfortable with the removal of Trump's account from Twitter, as did Deputy Prime Minister Michael McCormack. These are certainly really difficult issues and we can expect to be talking about it a lot this year. Yeah, and that's your shortcut to social media and free speech. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Shortcuts, we give listeners a bit of a look at how we got across the topic of the week. I've only just started this one, so I can't vouch for the whole series, Claire, but worth checking out if this topic is of interest is Rabbit Hole. It's a podcast by the New York Times. It's all about how the internet is changing us and specifically about how some have been radicalised by what they consume online. It's on my list to listen to. I'm glad you're listening to that one. You can tell me all about it. Mine is for nerds only. (laughs) It's a look at the fundamentals of Australia's approach to freedom of speech. Of course, we're not like the US. We don't have a Bill of Rights or uh, enshrined rights to freedom of speech in our constitution. But there's a link to the Attorney General's Department public sector guidance sheet. (laughs) It's actually quite interesting (laughs) to see how we approach it. It's a much more scaled down and practical version of all of that. We like to be inclusive. If you aren't a nerd but want to read it, you're more than welcome. (laughs) If you need something to fall to sleep with, maybe. Yeah, great recommendation. (laughs) Links to all of those in your episode notes. A written version of this podcast is always available on our website too, thesquiz.com.au forward slash shortcuts. If you have a shortcut request, please also do get in touch. We're on a bit of a tech theme at the moment, Claire. Mm. We're going to tackle Alibaba next week. Jack Ma is a name that keeps popping up. It will be a good one. Yeah, Alibaba's that huge Chinese online marketplace. Its founder, Jack Ma, has disappeared of late, so we'll get you across what the theories are about his disappearance. And in the meantime, if you have an idea for a shortcut, shoot it through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next week. 